I, I really like one of the things that uh, Mark on the Recovered cast uh, was just talking about something about um, the 10-step the inventory is not supposed to be an ass-kicking machine. <laughs> Welcome to episode 48 of The Recovery Show. We are continuing to record our episodes live. If you are online now, you will hear the raw unedited form of this episode and will be able to interact with us in the chat room. Check the website for the time of the next recording and join us. This episode is brought to you by Lisa, Carol, Deidre, Diane, and Jonathan. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you so much for your generous contributions. Lisa, Carol, Deidre, Diane, and Jonathan. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Do you struggle to admit that you are wrong in the moment? Have you found an effective way to take a daily inventory? How do you feel about admitting your wrongs? What exactly does this step mean by promptly? Do you feel better when you make a 10th step amends? Then stick around because today we are going to talk about step 10, which says, we continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to this topic of step 10. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Maria. How are you today, Maria? I'm doing well. Um, glad to be here. It's exciting. And next to Maria is our co-host, uh, Erica. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's All been right. a long Monday, but I'm glad to be here. All right. Thank you. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Step 10. Following a musical break, we'll talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. We have a reading. This is from The Daily Reader, Courage to Change, page 236. I developed a tremendous fear of making mistakes. It seemed crucial to cover every possible outcome because mistakes often led to an avalanche of accusations and abuse from the alcoholic, and eventually from myself. My self-esteem diminished because the slightest error felt huge, and I couldn't let it go. So I began to cover up and rationalize my mistakes, all the while desperately trying to maintain an appearance of perfect self-control. In Al-Anon, I learned to take down that rigid wall of seeming perfection, to honestly admit mistakes, and to open myself for growth. Step 10, in which I continue to taking my inventory and promptly admit when I am wrong, has been liberating because it challenges me daily to be honest. Sometimes it makes me squirm, but I know that when I tell the truth, I am free of the lies that held me back. If Mar As Mark Twain put it, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. So, uh, as I said, uh, my name is Spencer, and uh, you know we're going to talk about Step 10. And why don't we start out just by sort of talking about what our understanding is of what does daily inventory mean to you? Maybe, Erica, could you start? That's a, for me, when I first heard of that idea of a, taking a daily inventory, um, I tend to make things in, into really big projects when they don't have to be very big. Um, so 
when I thought of daily inventory, I thought of my fourth step inventory and the kind of inventory I Ouch. did. And I knew it didn't have to be as big as that, but I knew that it, it had to be honest and um, thorough. And um, so I wasn't quite sure what to think when I first heard daily inventory. I wasn't sure how big it had to be or how small, um, what it had to contain. The nice thing about this step, I think, for me, is that it doesn't really give you step-by-step instructions for a daily inventory. Um, and you can, I, I felt like I could sort of decide what worked for me. And I'm still, I, I would say I'm still in the process of deciding what a daily inventory looks like for me. Um, it can be as simple as one thing I did good that day, one thing that worked, and it can be um, also after that list something that maybe didn't work so well and what, what I did to remedy that or what I could do. Um, so that's kind of how I started out doing my daily inventory. One thing that was good and one thing that was maybe not as good. And not making it into this big project of listing every single thing I did right and every single thing I did wrong in the day, that list could go on for a long time, <laughs> and it's only one day. So um, one of the gifts of the program is um, the knowledge and the wisdom that I don't have to beat myself up, and I don't have to be really hard on myself. I can do these inventories um, and these adjustments one event at a time. And I don't have to go through my whole day and list every single thing I did wrong. Um, but the point, I think, is of a daily inventory is looking at your my own behavior every day. I don't know if you want to add to that. And how about you, Maria? What you... Um, for me, I would say a daily inventory. Um, usually I'll just kind of review the events of the day, like what happened? Was there anything that stuck out that I felt uncomfortable about? Are, are there any events that have lingering bits of guilt or uh, just basically anything that I wish had gone a different way? And, you know, I look at it and kind of think, what what was my part in all of this? Did I do things that I'm not, maybe not the proudest of, that I wish I had a chance to do it a different way? Um, so I look at... Uh, possible shortcomings that day, but I also try to look at the positives too and say, you know, is there something that worked well today? Did I make progress on something that I've been struggling with? Um, and yeah, so I think it's, it's important. Um, I'm with you on the, the not beating yourself up, uh, part. So for me, making a note to include the positives is, is important as well. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Um, I, somebody who's been a guest on uh, the Recovered podcast a couple of times, uh, well, he's been there more than once, but a couple of times he's talked about uh, including positive things on his inventory. And uh, most of the guests on the Recovered podcast are in AA, and and they, I've I've heard them say pretty strongly, you know, your inventory is about, um, you know, your faults. Uh, your daily inventory is about your faults, and and there's no need to to, as they might put it, pump yourself up. But this fellow says, uh, and I thought this was really, this sounded like a really good thing. He's, you know, there are things that I've asked my higher power to help me um, with, to help me change. 
And when I see progress in those things, I like to record them on my inventory so that I can see that I actually am changing, that I actually am, you know, growing towards the person that I want to be. And, and uh, you know, I, I have not found a practice to doing the sort of, you know, like sit down in the evening and think about the day or maybe in the morning. I know some people find it easier to do in the morning. But I was looking at um, the AA Big Book because um, they, he, he, he lays it out very, very briefly. Um, he says, Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. And, you know, that's pretty quick. <laughs> and I think there's something in the Step 11 discussion that I haven't found yet because I'm not as familiar with this book as I am with the Al-Anon literature. But the thing that I found very, I find very helpful as as I continue in life, even if I'm not managing to to sort of think back over the day every evening, which is something that I would like to be able to do, is to, when I recognize that, I've done something wrong. We'll say wrong. It's okay. Um, to, uh, you know, to sit down, maybe sort of at least figuratively sit down, sort of mentally sit down at least, and sort of think about, okay, so what happened? You know, um, what was my part in it? What of my character defects led into whatever it is that happened? And then what amends might I need to make? So it's sort of like a mini version of steps four, eight, and nine. Maybe I talk it over with somebody so we get a little bit of, of the fifth step in there of uh, admitting to, at least admitting to God to myself and maybe not another human being yet, the exact nature of my wrongs. And if if I find that it's an old character defect uh, maybe resurfacing, um, I might then have to uh, be ready to, to ask God to, to uh, you know, hey, take it away some more, okay? <laughs> and, um, you know, I actually have um, an example of that. Uh, it happened a few weeks ago. I was at a... <laughs> that was my dog knocking over Maria's water. Um, and, uh, yeah. I was at a, a party, and uh, actually a friend of mine pointed this behavior out to me after the fact. I really... Um, you know, and as soon as it was pointed out to me, I recognized that I had done it. But I had, I had gotten really sort of um, know-it-all on on another person at the party, and uh, so again, I had to think about it. You know, what was going on there? What was, you know, what was my part? What what character defect was leading into this? And uh, and then I sat down and I actually wrote a Facebook message because that was the only way I knew how to get a hold of this person without maybe another week or so going by. And, and I, I just wanted to get it out, get it, you know, promptly, right? Promptly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, uh, um, you know, dear, dear person, no name here. Um, I feel that I owe you amends for the way I spoke to you at the party yesterday. Um, I said something and uh, I meant it to be unjust, but I fear it did not come across that way, especially when I continued to press the issue. Um, and I sincerely apologize if I hurt or offended you. I took an inventory of my part and found these things. Um, that I wanted you to be able to stay. This person was leaving, and I was like sort of ragging on them about why they were leaving. I wanted you to be able to stay and hear the talk. I forgot that your needs and priorities are not the same as mine, and that some old 
behavior and character defects surfaced, which are rooted in part in my own social insecurities and in part in the total lack of boundaries that I had pre-programmed. I'm handing these over to my higher power again. I tell you this not so that you might excuse my behavior, but to say that my behavior yesterday does not represent the person that I want to be and that I'm working to become. And please let me know if there's anything more I can do. Yours, Spencer. And for me, the the components of that are about, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of our, our outline here, but, you know, admitting my part, um, not asking for forgiveness, um, and not, I was trying really hard not to make an excuse, but to say this is, this is what I found was going on. Um, and that's something that I try to do in, in all of my amends, but it, you know, it was, it was pretty prompt um, because it was the same day when I sent it. <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, I had to wait and see if there was any response. And that was hard. <laughs> that was really hard. <laughs> um, so, um, Erica, you talked about, about doing a daily inventory. Um, do you have um, a way in which you do that? Well, I, I actually opened the book to look at the steps. Um, and I do want to point out that it doesn't say continue to take a daily personal inventory. Um, you know, we that's talk, true. <laughs> we talk about a daily inventory and I, I am working on finding a personal inventory, continual personal inventory that works for me. Um, for a while, for a couple of weeks when I was first working the step, um, I sent an email of my inventory daily at the end of the night to my sponsor. Um, and without getting into too much detail, I guess they're just, um, it felt more like busy work for me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the moments where I can actually promptly admit that I'm wrong out loud in a spiritual with a spiritual, spiritual intention, um, those moments mean a lot more for me. And when I admit them to either my sponsor, a friend in the program, or the person that I wronged, it means a lot. It it tends to do more for me in my own progress than just the act of sitting down and taking the inventory, actually recognizing when I've done something wrong. Um, an example of that is either, I think it was this week, no, two weeks ago, I don't remember, <laughs> it's either last week or the week before. Um, a friend of mine, um, was talking about a situation, uh, that she's going through that is pretty scary and it, there's a lot of outcomes that are uncertain. And I took the conversation to a place that didn't, it didn't need to go there. And whether or not she cared, because I don't think she did, I cared that I did that. And I said that I was sorry. I said, I didn't need to take the conversation that way. Um, I realize it's probably, it's not what I would want to think about right now in, if I was in your situation. Mm -hmm. And for me, whether or not the other person in that situation really was offended or hurt, um, I recognized that my, I wasn't thinking before I was speaking, which is one of my character defects. <laughs> is that I just kind of blurt things out that I'm thinking about without thinking about how they might affect people around me. And 
I'm not, I'm glad to know I'm not the only person with that defect. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, those moments do a lot more for me in my personal growth. I do think it's important. It's not an excuse to not do any daily inventories, to not do an inventory at the end of the day. Um, but I think that it's something I had to figure out how to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'm really quick to beat myself up for not doing something that I said I would do, <laughs> which is good because it holds me accountable. But it can be harmful if um, what I'm doing is not working for me and I'm beating myself over something that's just not working. And right currently, the daily, sending a daily email, it was working for the first couple of weeks. And now it's sort of, um, I'm exploring other options mm-hmm. for my personal inventory. I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you guys do? I'd like to hear, I really would like to hear it because this is a recent thing for me. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Erica. I think I don't necessarily do a daily inventory, but it's more, um, that, that spot check, um, of like, oh, I feel guilty or something feels uncomfortable. Gee, maybe I did something wrong here. Maybe I need to really look at what I did and, oh, whoops. Yeah. There, there was something in here and maybe I do need to admit it. Um, but yeah, um, this, this step was kind of one that I, in some ways I kind of feel like step 10 is like one of the kinder, gentler steps that I sort of skipped ahead with because, you know, some of the other steps were a little overwhelming, like really make amends for everything you ever did wrong ever, ever. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Um, but, but daily inventory is like, well, you know, it's just one day. It's, you know, I, I, no matter how bad a day it is, probably I didn't screw up that badly in just one day. Um, so if I can just face what I did right now, um, this, you know, this very short period of time, um, that's a lot more doable. Um, but, but yeah, I don't really have a, a system of, of really doing it. I mean, sometimes I do kind of think about it while I'm getting ready for bed. You know, how did the day go? Was there anything that felt wrong or anything that felt good? Um, but I'm not really systematic about it um, either. So, yeah. Yeah. I, every now and then I think, you know, really ought to have a, a system. Um, you know, this, this, this guy who comes out, who talked about doing his uh, 10-step inventory unrecovered has like a spreadsheet or something that he enters his inventory into every day. I'm like, wow. <laughs> mm. that's, that's a little more than, than I can do. Um, and I think I, what you what you said, Maria, about you know if I feel off, mm-hmm. um, I guess you know if I know I did something wrong, I'm going to perseverate on it. That's that's me. But it's the times when maybe I don't recognize it. Um, you know, like this 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 thing the other day, a um, couple weeks ago at the party. You know, I didn't really recognize that I had really stepped over. A boundary, like what just walked straight through it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> until somebody else pointed it out to me. And uh, so I don't know if if I had been in the practice of sort of reviewing the day, saying what did I do, um, you know, was this was this as I said in the in the uh, in the amend I sent, you know, is this the person I want to be? Have I been the person I want to be today? Um, maybe I maybe I would have found it myself. I don't know. Um, but I, I tend to do more the the spot inventory, the spot check. Um, and a lot of my examples recently have been at work. Um, 
probably because I tend to interact with a lot more people at work and in less healthy ways um, than I do elsewhere in my life. And, uh, you know, I've, I, I think I've talked on the show a couple times about occasions where, um, you know, I got, I was out of line and usually in a meeting, um, I don't know, something about meetings brings out the worst in me. And, uh, you know, and, and realized later, one time I realized myself that I had just, like, I had totally taken over a meeting that was not my meeting to run and, and, but I had an agenda and I was pushing that agenda as hard as I could. And luckily I had to leave in the middle of the meeting because I had something else and, and I went off to the other thing I was doing and, and as, and I was, as I was there, sort of went back over what had happened in the meeting and thought, oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, this guy was trying to get somewhere and I was just derailing it in a totally different direction. So, you know, again, um, I came, I came back to my computer later and, and he was already gone, but I sent an email, you know, just saying, wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't, didn't mean to do it. Well, I think I did mean to do that. I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but, um, you know, he, he responded graciously in any case. But it's that those, those I'm, I, I can, I can get to, you know, I think it might have been on the podcast a couple of months ago. Um, in any case, Kelly talked about looking over the events of the day and finding something in each event to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, wow, hey, that's a really cool way to do your inventory. And I have not managed to do that. <laughs> like, um, you know, I can find things to be grateful for, but everything that happened, whoa, I don't think so. Um, you know, we have um, an email from Ruth. And uh, Erica, maybe, uh, maybe you could read that. Sure. Dear Spencer and co-hosts, first, I want to thank you for producing another episode, which I'm patiently waiting to listen to. For that, I want to contribute my thoughts in regard to step 10. Continue to take personal inventory. This reminds me that taking inventory is done after taking step 4, but it is a continuous process not only because life is ongoing, but also because I change, learn more, and gain a different perspective. So if I look at the same things at a different time, they may look different too. But as any other step, step four is not done once, and then for every closed, so the second part of step ten is more important for me. And when we are wrong, promptly admitted it. So I call this step the pause button step. Great term. That was Erica's input to that. Since I have learned about the tool of the pause button. For instance, when I call a hotline, I'm already resentful because I have to call that hotline because something did not work. (laughs) Then I have to talk to an electronic switchboard. Say two when you want this. You want three, so I connect you. Please wait. When I finally speak to somebody, I may not be very friendly. I can totally relate to this. (laughs) But this is not okay. Why do I put my anger on this person? I do it because he or she is just there. That's the moment for taking a quick inventory. First, I have to be honest with myself. I have to admit that I'm wrong. Then I can excuse myself and change my behavior. Using the 10th step keeps me from having to put people on my 8th step list. And even though it is not said in the 10th step itself, I'm using the 9th step with too with it. I think this step makes me a more pleasant person to deal with and keeps the road clean. 
Take what you like and leave the rest. I hope you are all good. Grateful Ruth. Thank you, Ruth. So do you have any thoughts on what Ruth had to say? Um, yeah, well, first of all, I can really relate to the hotline. <laughs> I hate those things. Um, but yeah, you know, just because, yeah, because I have anger on it, it doesn't, doesn't give me the right to take it out on the innocent person who is just forced to answer the phone there, um, as Ruth says. And yeah, it seemed like a, a good example of the kind of thing that, that does happen even well after you've taken a full fourth step inventory. Little things do keep happening and sometimes big things. Um, but things still keep happening and we still have to take that pause, you know, that, that moment to pause and, and think like, am I really, is this who I want to be right now? Or is this, you know, am I just reacting and lashing out at whoever's around? So yeah, I thought it was really good input. And I also think that I really like the point that you made, Ruth, about using the 10 step from that keeps you from having to put people on your eighth step. And when I was new, you know, the eighth and ninth step sounded da very daunting. So I think that this is a good little tidbit. Um, just for me, it was a good way to remember, you know, there are people on my list that I have to make amends to. And I don't have to make amends to them yet, but I can, I don't have to add to that list. And I have, the, I have this program now that tells me I have a choice. Um, I have a choice when I call the hotline to be patient or to be angry. And um, sometimes I don't make the right choice at first, but that's, that's that pause button. Yeah. And I was thinking about, well, I think this, this for me, maybe goes into, um, we had a question here, a, a thought question for those of you who, you know, we encourage you to write in. It said, uh, um, do you feel better when you make a 10-step amend? And I was thinking about um, another work incident um, where uh, um, I, I was angry. I was, you know, here again is where I have to sit down. I have to take a, an inventory and say, well, what was really going on? Um, I was reacting angrily to something somebody said in a meeting and, you know, she kind of snapped back at me, which was maybe appropriate. <laughs> um, and so later after I had had some time to think about it and, and I went over to her desk and I said, Hey, I, I need to apologize for you know, the way I spoke to you in the meeting this morning. And uh, and she said, yeah, that was kind of out of line. And then she said, we need to find a better way to communicate. Okay, so this is like the unexpected benefit of actually going through and doing, I mean, it wasn't a full amend at that point. It was an apology, uh, a recognition that, that, you know, I had been out of line in, in the way I spoke to her. She came back with, let's figure out a way to make this better, which is for me is a true amend is, is not just saying, wow, I did this and, you know, sorry, that's not an amend. Uh, one of the songs that, that was on the list for maybe for consideration for this episode is, uh, Madonna's song, sorry, mm -hmm. where it's like, um, she's like, don't say sorry. I've heard it all before. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and that's the thing, you know, if you just say sorry and then you don't change, 
what's the point? Mm -hmm. And so what that led to was um, we went out for coffee uh, a few weeks later. Um, I eventually eventually emailed her and say, so you said we need to figure out a, a way to communicate better. You know, why don't we like go get some coffee somewhere outside of the office and talk about it. And uh, so we did. And we talked about, you know, I talked about that my anger often comes from a place of fear, a place of, you know, feeling that she was asking me to do something that I didn't know how to do or that I didn't feel that I was capable of doing in the way she wanted me to do it. Maybe is more accurate. And she's like, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't ever think that. Um, but then we started talking about just how communication happened in general within um, our group and that is, we're all focusing on this big project. And, and we actually came up with some ideas about how the whole group could communicate better, about where um, our communication is breaking down, where things are not getting information is not getting to the people that need it and too much information is getting to the people that don't need it. And it started as a sort of a whole, I can't say dialogue because there's more than two people involved, but um, you know, a conversation, I guess, within um, the, the group, um, at least sort of at the management sort of level about how we can, how we can all do a little better in our communication. Um, it spawned a meeting called the, the forest for the trees because we talked about there was there was this there's this twice a week meeting that's supposed to get us all communicating about what we're doing, and I said you know the problem with that meeting is it just focuses on the leaves. I mean we're not even looking at the trees, mm -hmm. let alone the forest. Mm -hmm. We're mm -hmm. looking at the little individual leaves and saying, well, how are we doing on these leaves? And and we don't come away from there with a picture of sort of how everything as a whole is progressing. Um, and so we're trying to put together a way of doing that, and that just came out of doing a ten step amend for me. It's like, whoa, really. Um, Howie's in the chat room, and he said, I can relate to a lot of what you talk about. I spend so much time thinking, doubting myself, loathing who I am. Thing is, most of the time I self-delude myself. It's not accurate. It's how my brain messes with me and makes me want to think in the worst. I'm the worst person in the world. Thing is, I'm not. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to take. Oh, yeah, just letting you know. Mm -hmm. I'm a listener of Recovered Podcast, but I'm the black sheep because I've been in AA and recovery before. Long story. I'm stable but not sober. Just can't do it right now. It's impossible. I'm not ready. I'll be quiet now and keep listening. But you know, Howie, you are here. You are listening. And, you know, I think that probably the recovery stuff is soaking in. And, you know, when you're, when you're ready to take that step, you'll know what to do. Um, and, and thank you for your input because I know I feel that way. Um, I, I think we've all been there before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I think yeah. one of the beautiful things about admitting we are wrong promptly, it's hard and you feel really crappy when you make those mistakes, but somebody always uses the metaphor of the um, bag of stones and the things that we do that are harmful to ourselves and others are like these stones that we carry around in a bag on our back. And uh, instead of adding a stone to the backpack – in that moment, I'm choosing to take it out yeah, and put it on the ground. Yeah. I'm not going to carry this stone around. I'm going to admit just as promptly as I can to keep the weight off my shoulders that, that I did this and, and then I can let it go. And that's where I really do think that the higher power part of the 10th step comes in because in that moment with your coworker, Spencer, 
there is a, there's risk to admitting that you're wrong to a coworker. Um, I know that I'm still I still need the help of the program because I thought, man, if somebody yelled at me at that meeting and he came to apologize, I'd be like, yeah, you were wrong. <laughs> and let me tell you why. <laughs> so that's not a healthy response. But that's how I fear that other people re- will respond sometimes, too. So letting go of the response and knowing that it could be bad or good yeah. is... I think quintessential to actually practicing this step. If someone gets mad at you and realizes, yeah, you did do that wrong and I don't like it and I'm mad at you and I'm going to stay mad at you. That's unfortunately, um, that might be that outcome. And that's what my higher power has planned for that particular situation. And it might be Maria, do you have any, uh, Oh yeah, actually I wanted to go back to, to Howie's comment about, um, I, I feel like that's, Sort of uh, something I need to watch out for with step 10 is mm-hmm. that I can use it as a way of just getting more and more down on myself. Like, oh, I messed this other thing up again. I keep doing this. I'm such a terrible person. I messed it up again and again. And it just, you know, and I can um, just struggle with that. And uh, I, I really like one of the things that uh, Mark on the Recovered cast uh, was just talking about something about um the the 10 step inventory is not supposed to be an ass kicking machine <laughs> um it's like you know it's we're supposed to take inventory for the, in a constructive way and you know once it gets to the point of just getting down on ourselves that's you know uh for one it's not constructive and it's actually in a way it can kind of build an excuse for the next time around like if i beat myself up and say oh i was late again i'm always late for everything i can't be on time i'm always late um you know it's in a way it's just sort of building in an excuse because the next time it's like well it's not that that was a mistake i made it's this is who i am and i am incapable of changing because mm-hmm. i'm always late you know and so so I need to, you know, take the inventory and say, okay, today there was this thing, I was late, period. Just stop there and not beat myself up for it and realize that that was one action. It's not who I am. I can choose a different action tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing a friend of mine often asks when I call with a, you know, a dilemma of some sort, I, I want to do this thing, but I don't know if it's the right thing to do or whatever the, whatever it might be is what's your motivation? I'm like, oh, what's my motivation? Eh, I don't know. But it's a really it's a really good question because um and I think we talked about this with the in, in our boundaries episode, you know, it's like when you want to set a boundary, well what's your motivation for setting the boundary, right? Um are you trying to control somebody or are you trying to um you know protect your own serenity, your own um safety maybe. And uh, and so stopping and saying, what's, what is my motivation here? Why do I feel I need to do this thing? Why do I feel I want to do this thing? Is It's a really good inventory question for me. And it's not one that I would have thought of, I think, on my own. Um, and, and I have really found it helpful. Um, you know, when I, when I find that I've done something wrong to, to, to pause. You know, so I've got that awareness. Here we are, three A's. We talked about that a few weeks mm-hmm, ago, right? Mm-hmm. I've been using that one a lot recently. You know, pause and say, okay, well, now I've become aware of this. And before I jump right into some kind of action, before I jump into, you know, an apology or a change in behavior or whatever it might be, um, by taking 
an inventory of my motivation, um, looking at fears, because often when I'm when I'm acting in a way that that I don't want to be, it's because there's some fear underneath it. Often when I'm angry, it's because of a fear of some sort um, or a resentment. So look at fears, look at resentments. Um, you know, what was my physical state? Was I hungry, angry, lonely, tired, mm-hmm. um, hot? <laughs> that was that was one that was big this summer, man. You know, if I was if I was like hot and tired, man, watch out. Um, I always said that they should add uncomfortable, just mm-hmm. generally uncomfortable to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and to take that inventory then helps me to come to, you know, that second A, that acceptance of what happened and and what is my part, mm-hmm. you know, and then I can work on an action, mm-hmm. uh, which might be apologizing. It might be just um, changing my behavior, you know. So this amend I made to the the friend that I. Um, um, you know, stepped over her boundaries at the party. And, you know, I sent her this message, and then, and then I had to wait. You know, I couldn't say, "Hey, did you get my message? You know, <laughs> what do you think?" Uh, you know, um, that's just that's you know, that's not the way it, it needs to go. And and I knew that I would very likely see her at a meeting later that week. And so I'm like, "Oh God, if she hasn't responded by the time the meeting comes around, you know, and I see her there, what am I going to do? I don't know." You know, you can go down that spiral, I'm sure, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, Familiar with the spiral. Yeah, and I talked to a friend, and the friend said, you can't do anything. You know? I mean, you can say hi or whatever, but you can't say, hey, did you read my message? Um, and as it happened, I got to the meeting, and I was busy doing something, I don't know, setting out literature or something, and, and this friend walked in, and and I didn't even notice that she was there, and she came over and said, uh, you know, I forgot to respond to your message, but thank you so much for that. And that was it. Um, and I was like, wow, okay, that was easy. <laughs> I had let go of it and, you know, my higher power gave me, I guess what I needed. I don't know. Um, so how do, uh, I don't know. What, what are your, you have any further thoughts on, uh, making amends, admitting you're wrong, how you feel? Um, um, yeah, I, um, just as far as admitting that I'm wrong, um, that's like been a big thing that I've struggled with. Um, that was a big thing. Um, you know, even just coming into the program at all was kind of difficult for me. I kind of came and went a couple of times because I just wasn't really ready to hear it in the beginning. Um, and I kind of had to, in order to really, uh, get to the, get to the program and have it stick, I had to admit that I was wrong and that I had something on myself that I needed to work on. Um, and that had sort of happened. We, you know, had just living with active alcoholism for a while. There had been a lot of arguments and a lot of bad stuff, but somehow I'd always thought that I was right and the other person was wrong and, you know, they were clearly doing this and that. And so by comparison, anything I did was like quote unquote right, but it really wasn't right. It was just, you know, maybe arguably less wrong, maybe not even. Um, but I always felt like I was, I was right. I wasn't wrong. Why would I, why would I need to be wrong? Um, so I related to this, um, actually going back to the reading, um, where she, uh, the, the person who was, was writing that, uh, had said that they were, um, that it was that this, this failure to admit wrongs kind of came out of, 
uh, being in a situation where it really wasn't okay to admit you were wrong. And it was, you know, kind of a coping mechanism. And it started out as something that made sense and then just kind of went, uh, you know, went a little too far and it went to a place where it no longer worked. And, you know, so for me, I, I think I, I kind of got to a point where, uh, you know, there had been some like really dramatic arguments and I just had seen my own behavior and I just kind of, it kind of, uh, something in my own behavior I noticed and I just had to look at myself and go, okay, what is wrong with me? Um, you know, because I knew that, that alcoholism was the problem with the other person, but it was like, clearly I, I went wrong somewhere in this too. And so that was kind of what got me into the program and made me realize, yeah, there, there is something to this, you know, look at yourself business and, um, uh, yeah. And, and so in a way, a lot of this whole program is all about admitting wrongs and admitting that there's stuff to work on. And that's why we're here because we've got to work on it. Um, I think for a long time, I felt kind of, I, I didn't even understand that it was possible that I could hurt anyone. Um, I, I think I historically felt fairly powerless. Um, I was, you know, being the youngest and being female and being fairly petite. I always, it always seemed like, you know, some people maybe growing up get the impression that, oh, well, you know, boys have to be careful to, to not hit girls because they're stronger than girls, and that's not fair, and, you you know, you might hurt someone, and you need to be careful. It's like, well, okay, I didn't grow up with that message, and then people who had younger siblings had the, like, oh, be careful with the baby because you're bigger than they are, and you have to, you know, be But I, I was the baby, so, you know, I always thought, like, you know, everyone could potentially hurt me, but I couldn't possibly even have any power to do anything wrong to anyone. And so I never really had that practice of looking at my own wrongs. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of been eye-opening for me. Um, one of the things I've heard people say in meetings is, I always have the power to make it worse. Like, I may not be able to, you know, we can't cause it, we can't cure it, we can't control it, but we can always make it worse. <laughs> um, and so, you know, just realizing that we got to watch out for that, um, I... I do have the power to make it worse. Mm. Um, actually, I've been, I had recently taken a, uh, a self-defense class with a friend of mine. Um, and one of the things that the instructor said in the beginning was that it's, um, sort of a fine line and you have to be careful. It's a, a fine line between, uh, defending yourself and actually becoming the aggressor. Hmm. And I thought, whoa, you know, this seems like it really applies to my Al-Anon life. Uh, because in a lot of ways, I felt like living with active alcoholism, I felt like, oh, well, I was defending myself and I had, you know, reasons for everything I did. But in a lot of ways, I had kind of become the aggressor. And, you know, so having a look at that, um, yeah. Yeah, and that, that leads to, you know, the ninth step amends that I need to make to my alcoholic mm -hmm. for that, that, that aggressive behavior. Um I think about something that, as you were talking, I thought about something that, that, that Mark says often um, on, the, uh, on the Recovered Podcast. He says, you know, I'm angry at you or I'm resentful at you. What's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, because, yeah, why am I angry? Why am I resentful? Um, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. And also about justification. And, and, and for me, that's part of the pause is to get past justifying my behavior. Mm -hmm. How about you, Erica? You Thoughts there? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, just 
I'm trying to collect them. Okay. Well, we've got a comment from Serene sure. Beth in the chat room. Go ahead. Um, Beth says, <laughs> pre-program, I used to think everything was my fault, and I would apologize for things that I couldn't possibly be responsible for, like the weather. <laughs> now, after all of these years, to see myself with such a better perspective on inventory, I can see the growth. Now I can be honest and admit a mistake or recognize that I'm actually uncomfortable because someone else crossed a boundary of mine and not apologize for disliking that. That is huge progress for me. Having really looked at my own mistakes, I'm much gentler with others when they err. Also, I find when I make the first move toward the higher ground and admit my own misstep, often the armor of the other person sort of melts and we are able to really connect. Hmm. You know, I hear that I hear that experience um, frequently. I don't know. I don't know if there's just different. We're all different, um, but I, when I got here to the program, to these rooms, I was in justification overdrive. <laughs> um, and it was modeled to me by a parent that I love so much, um, but I was, the model that was given to me was, I'm uncomfortable, I'm upset, I can't control my surroundings, so I'm going to point the finger at the people around me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I engage with this parent a lot. We have a lot of, we butt heads about a lot of things uh, because I kind of, when you're told that you're wrong over and over, you either internalize it you and ignore it like my, one of my, my sibling did, or you fight back with, no, you're wrong. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Don't tell me I'm wrong. And Is that your approach? That's my approach. <laughs> and so I... Admitting I was wrong, when I got to the program, I probably thought that I had done all the admitting I needed to do and that I had caught up, caught up on all my wrongs. And I'm good on that. I'm good. I know what's wrong. I, I was very right about my wrongs, <laughs> very righteous about them. And um, the gift of the 10th step for me is that um, I don't have to be right all the time. And... People really respond better to the me that is today, you know, after doing the work and working the steps and doing a fourth step. Um, that doesn't, ha- the person that doesn't have to be right all the time. Um, if I did do something wrong and I actually was able to see that it was my fault, and it was usually very things that were very clear cut my fault, like I screwed up. Then I would cry and carry on and just make myself into this. So I was so, so sorry. Please forgive me. I understand if you're angry. It, which makes also makes people feel really uncomfortable. Like there's, it was such extremes. Either I was completely right and justified in what I did, or I was completely wrong and groveling at your feet and crying and making you uncomfortable that you even, you know, said that it wasn't okay. And um, people don't want to be friends with people like that. And I mean, frankly, they don't. And I don't. I don't want to be friends with people like that. And I remember thinking one time when I did something to a friend, I told someone information about her that wasn't mine to tell. I said, sorry, um, that wasn't right of me to do. What can I do to make it up to you? And I was able to just let it go and accept the fact that this could be the last straw because it wasn't the first time I'd done it to this person. 
it wasn't. And I could, I accepted. I go, you know, if she decided to distance herself from me and not tell me anything personal about herself, that would be, that would be her right. And I have to be willing to accept the consequences of my behavior. That was a huge turning point for me in this program. And knowing that I could get through that and survive the other side of someone not liking me or not liking my behavior, it was, it was a really, it was really important to experience. And uh, for me, I think one of the things that really helps with that um, is having done the earlier steps and in, in particular um, those steps that were really hard for me. And I don't mean the inventory and the confession. I mean, the God steps um, because through that process, including including doing an inventory, including admitting all my deep, dark secrets to another person, I'm finding that I can like myself, that I know that I'm loved, and that makes it a lot easier to be able to say, yeah, hey, you know, I'm human, I made a mistake. Um, any last thoughts, Maria? Um... Yeah, as far as um, actually actually doing the admitting of the wrongs, um, uh, it's it's sort of an interesting process, um, just like what comes up, how I feel in the moment. Um, uh, I mean, you know, for starters, I always feel like cringing, like I'm just mortified and embarrassed that I'm less than perfect. Um, and it makes me think of, uh, somebody shared this in a meeting once. Um, there's this acronym for the word shame. It starts, that means, uh, so shame stands for should have already mastered everything. And I think of that all the time because like every time I mess something up, I'm like, damn it, should have already mastered everything. And then I remember like, yes, that's ridiculous. Uh, I need to, you know, not be so hard on myself because that's not realistic. Um, so in a way it's kind of a like, you know, yeah, I messed up. Welcome to the human race. Um, yeah. Um, but I yeah, to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't want to admit things. Um, I, I, don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to isolate and, you know, hide away. Um, if I, if, when I do, um, actually make a 10th step amends, it, it always feels a little uncomfortable and a little foreign because it's, you know, it's not my usual habit. I want to slip back into justification and excuses and minimizing that whatever I did wasn't really a big deal. No one even minds and, you know, that's eh, fine. Um, but, but it does, you know, it leaves me feeling, um, humble and and human um but then at the same time i also i usually end up feeling relieved at the same time mm -hmm. um because it's like this is the escape hatch um there's a way out of feeling this way and if i can just suck it up and admit i was wrong <laughs> and tell whoever needs telling whatever needs being to set to be said or you know do the next right thing to make it better um then i can can move on. I can get closure and just feel better about myself. Um, so yeah, it's complicated. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Erica, last thoughts? Just as you were finishing sharing that about, um, you feel a lot better. It's that's that keeping the, keeping my side of the street clean mm -hmm. is exactly what the 10th step is. Um, yep. picking up my trash when I drop it, got to clean it up. That's simple as that. 
All right. And, uh, you know, this leads really nicely into what Maria had to say, leads really nicely into the uh, today's reminder for the reading we did at the beginning. It says, I will probably make a mistake of some sort every day of my life. If I view this as a personal failing or pretend that no mistakes have occurred, I make my life unmanageable. When I stop struggling to be perfect and admit when I am wrong, I can let go of guilt and shame. Mm. That is cause for rejoicing. After a short break, we'll be back with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. And Maria's going to introduce our song. Okay, so our song that we're going to listen to is uh, Confessions, uh, Part 1 by Usher. Um, so in this song, he's afraid of the consequences, uh, but and but regardless of the other person's reaction, he has to admit his wrongs for the sake of his own serenity. Um, and some lyrics uh, from the song. If I could turn back the hands of time and start all over, I would. Instead of everything being all bad, baby, everything would be all good. I don't want to lose you, but I know what I'm telling you ain't going to make you want to stay. You'll probably just want to run away or mad enough to punch me in my face. I've been living like an idiot, and I deserve every bit of it. I know today is the day that I end all the lying and the playing and the bullshit. Girl, I'm sorry. Baby, I'm sorry. But I can no longer walk around with this stress on my chest, I confess. Everything that I've been doing is all bad. I got a chick on the side with a crib and a ride. I've been telling you so many lies. Ain't no good, it's all bad. And I just wanna confess it's been going on so long. About you getting hurt, I was hand in hand in the Beverly Center like man, not giving a damn who sees me. So gone, so wrong, acting like I didn't ever sitting at home, thinking about me, being the good girl that you are. I bet you probably believe you got a good man. I'm in and never would do the things I'm about to tell you I've done. Brace yourself, it ain't good, but it would be even worse if you heard this from somebody else. Everything that I've been doing is all bad. Everything being all bad, baby, everything will be all good I don't want to lose you, but I know what I'm telling you Ain't gonna make you want to stay You probably just want to run away I'm mad enough to punch me in my face I've been living like an idiot And I deserve every bit of it I know Today is the day that I end all the line And the plan and the bullshit, girl I'm sorry, baby, I'm sorry But I can no longer walk around with this stress on my chest I can In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. 
about what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. And I'll give you guys a couple minutes to think about it. Uh, I'll start here. So last Wednesday, um, topic at the meeting was gratitude. And I was like, I'm not feeling very grateful right now, you know, and, uh, but a part of, part of the lead and then a number of people shared about having gratitude in loss, um, that, and that there's a choice. And, and I thought, was remembering uh, a, an open talk that I had been listening to. The fellow was talking about attitude, about changed attitudes that, you know, his sponsor said, you just got to change your attitude, you know? And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, what's this changed attitude crap? And the guy says, well, you know, why don't you go look up the definition of attitude? And he said, he gave him a very specific dictionary to look it up to in where the first definition was that attitude for an airplane is like the angle of approach or the, um, to like the ground or something. And he said, Oh, so attitude is angle of approach. And if I can change the angle at which I approach things in my life, then I will see them differently. And the shares were about uh, several, you know, one, one guy talked about that his mother was dying of cancer and he had come back to Michigan to be with her. And, you know, it really sucked that she was dying of cancer, but he was immensely grateful that he had this time with her and that, you know, and, and so, and somebody else shared, several people shared about the same sort of thing where, you know, they had lost somebody, maybe, um, you know, a pet or something or another person in their life or some experience. And that if they chose to be grateful for what had come before, grateful for the time they had had rather than being resentful that, that it was over. And that was a message that I really needed to hear last week. Um, because, you know, I was all tied up in the, um, you know, the podcast is going to be all different and it's, and, and I didn't think about, you know, the 40 some odd weeks that, um, that we did this thing and it was really good and that, yeah, it's changing, but I'm really grateful for that time that we had and the, what we developed because it gives me a place to go forward from. You know, if that had happened after, a month, I would have been totally lost. Like, ah, I don't know how to do this thing. And, you know, I know how to do this thing. And now, you know, it's different anxieties, like who's going to do it with me next week and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've been sort of sitting back and saying, you know, my higher power will, you know, bring what comes and, and it will, it will be good. And, uh, the weekend on the weekend, I went to, um, a youth conference um, with a bunch of high school kids, about 60 high school kids at a church in Indianapolis. And some people are like, oh my God, you spent a weekend locked in the church with a bunch of teenagers. Whoa. But I, I enjoy these things. Um, I get I get energy from the youth. They invigorate me at the same time as they uh, annoy me and frustrate me. Um, because, you know, they are uniquely who they are and they're discovering who they are. And it's, it's really... Um, and they're very very enthusiastic and um, passionate about what they believe in. And it, and it really comes through. And the, and the other thing that I found there was a bunch of uh, affirmation um, that I've been going to these things for, well, longer than any of the youth who were there have been going. Uh, and, and so a lot of them know me and they come up and they, 
you know, they say, hey, Spencer, and they give me a hug or whatever. And or they just come up and they talk to me about what's going on. And it really gave me, you know, validation that, hey, you know, I'm an okay person. Because <laughs> uh, as I said in the, the meeting on Sunday, you know, it's really easy for me to feel like I'm just a steaming pile of shit. And when people who really have no investment in in me tell me, no, you're, you're good, you're okay, I'm glad you're here, um, it's a very strong message. And, and so I'm really glad I went. Um, and I, I, think that's, I think that's about it. Um, I did go to another meeting last night after I got home from, uh, from the weekend. And there was good stuff around the table, but nothing that really stands out for me. How about you, Maria? Um, oh, well, let's see. The week started out for me. I was actually went on a little road trip um, that involved a lot of just sitting and not even driving, just kind of sitting, staring out the window, realizing I couldn't really do anything. It was kind of a really nice break. Um, it was... Um, it it really kind of hit me like I I have a tendency to overcommit myself to things and then just be really busy and not make time for meditation or just kind of clearing that mental space or uh, Spencer as you put it earlier in the show that I love this mentally sitting down um, <laughs> and you know so it was really nice to to kind of have that and it kind of uh, made me realize I want to make more time in my life for that on a regular basis um, just to to clear my mind and and relax a little instead of constantly feeling like I need to be on and doing more things. Um, on Wednesday, uh, I got together with a friend of mine in the program uh, who was going with, through some stuff, and um, that was good. And then, let's see, I went to, I went to the meeting on gratitude as well. Um, Saturday, I went to uh, an anniversary party for our Wednesday meeting. It has a party to celebrate the anniversary of the meeting. Um, so I went to that on Saturday, um, and that was good. I got to know um, a few newer people a little bit better. Um, and then also we heard the story of uh, one of the founders of that meeting told the story of how the how the meeting came to be and the history of it. And it was it was um, it was good good to hear that. Um, and we talked a little bit about uh, why what the successful elements are of this meeting and and there seemed to be consensus that that what a lot of us really like about the meeting is that it really we really try to focus on the solution uh more than the problem so it's not just rehashing the problem and then just creating more and more resentment about the fact that there's a problem but we really try to to stay in the solution and keep it positive and then also just having regular group conscience meetings and having uh, a place for everyone to check in and if there are ever issues they can be dealt with promptly uh, before they become big problems um, so that was good um, today I went to um, uh, an AWOL group I've actually just a few weeks ago I was asked to join an AWOL uh, if I wanted to join an AWOL group so it was um, and sorry an AWOL group it stands for a way of life uh, and it's a group of people who get together um, periodically and work through the steps. And so we've been going through and answering questions out of the TAN, the TAN book, the Path to Recovery book. Um, and so we're working on step seven. Um, 
and it's been really great so far. I've only been doing it for a few weeks, but it's it's just been some really great, honest, really open sharing. Um, it's just this small, intimate group of women who, you know, it's it's always the same people every time, so it's not really the same as an open meeting where anybody could come. Um, but the format of it really kind of feel like it really helps develop uh, trust and it's it's been great so far um and it's uh just just in the past few weeks it's it's helped me feel like i'm i'm not the only one who's you know struggled with this issue or that issue that uh hearing about other people's struggles and successes kind of makes me feel like oh yeah again like welcome to the human race you know <laughs> you're just like everybody else so yeah that's been my week it's been a good week erica you guys had good weeks. Wow. Um, it's all marinating still that I haven't, I've been listening to you. I haven't really been thinking about my week, but um, I picked up a service commitment at one of my favorite meetings. And this meeting has a newcomers meeting after the meeting for newcomers. It's a large meeting, so it has a lot of newcomers. Um, kind of newcomers kind of get sent to this meeting. You know, go to this meeting. This is a good meeting for newcomers. And um, it's interesting. The first night that I did it, I haven't done it in a long time. There were um, a lot of people at that meeting. Luckily, someone sat in with me, so that was good. And then the next time I did it, uh, there was five people, and it was really emotional. And um, a couple of the people in the meeting got very emotional. A couple of them... Um, had a lot to share. It was very intense. And I texted um, a friend in the program and said, newcomers, exclamation point. Like, and, and it was overwhelming almost for me, but it was really, really, re I'm really grateful that I've gotten the chance to do this service commitment again um, because I, I feel more in touch with the newcomer than I've felt in a long time. Um, and I'm more in touch with the newcomer inside of me um, because there's always a part of me that feels powerless, you know, and it's not, it's not as painful as it used to be. Um, but it's, it's really good to get back to basics. Step one, you know, admitting we are powerless over alcohol and just understanding what's in my control and what's not. It's really good to get back to the basics and, um, hear people share about their what they're going through right now as they're coming into their first meeting. Um, it's an opportunity for me to give back and to serve, to just be there and be present and answer the questions the best that I can. Um, it's good practice to um, it's good practice for me um, in working the sixth and seventh steps, seventh step, um, where I don't always have to know the right answer. You know, I'll, I'll do the best I can with what I have at that meeting. And um, someone might not like what I say, and that's okay. And someone might get a lot, a lot out of it, and that's okay, too. And just trusting that the high, my, the higher power of our meeting is going to take care of these people. And, and each of them has their own higher power. And it's not my higher power. It's not me. You know, I'm not going to convince them to come back. So, I don't know. It was good spiritual practice for me. And... and um, I've been also thinking a lot, uh, not enough, but I've been thinking a lot about, about sponsorship 
um, and how to be, for lack of a better word, a good sponsor. Um, what is it to be a good sponsor? Uh, just, it's a really good opportunity for me to look at my own character defects, even though I'm all I'm doing is listening to somebody else. It's really it's it brings my own character defects up, and I really have to um, practice a lot of the amends that I'm trying to make to the people I've harmed by being of service to a new person who, who wants help in the program. And, uh, I'm just, I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to, to make those amends, um, in a way that is exactly what helped me, um, when I needed it. So, and it still does, you know, I continue to have a relationship with the sponsor and, having a sponsor is really important for my program. And so it's nice to know that I can make amends just by being present and listening. That's huge for me because I'm, I've always been one of those people that wants to give advice and wants to yap and yap like I'm doing now. I'm yapping on and on. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to jump in and say, Oh, I have something to say to that. But just waiting patiently for someone to finish their thought, and to be done with what they have to say, even if it takes two hours, you know, it's, it's meditation for me. It's, it's service and it's make, and it's an amends to all the people that I've not listened to in my life. So, <laughs> uh, that's been my week in right. weeks in recovery. All right. Thank you, Maria and Erica. Um, and I'm looking at the next part in the script that says our topic next week will be new topic (laughs) and realizing that um, I don't know what the topic next week will be. Uh, If uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, interesting suggestions and I think partly it's, it's going to depend on, you know, who wants to come do it with me next week and maybe they can pick a topic. So um, wide open here, guys, wide open. Um, We do welcome your thoughts. Uh, You can join the conversation. You can leave a voicemail or send us an email and we have a bunch. We're going to, uh, go through some of them uh, in a little bit uh, with your experience or questions about uh, our uh, today's topic or, you know, a suggestion for next top next week. Hey, Maria, how can people send us feedback? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Just put the podcast on pause and join the conversation at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your, your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of Step 10, or next topic of We're Not Sure Yet. Um, <laughs> if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. All right, and... Uh... Erica, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Uh, on our website, therecoveryshow.com. That's all one word, The Recovery Show. It has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of open talk speakers. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. There are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. You can leave comments on the blog. You can take a look at our suggested topic list. We're always looking for topics, like for next week. 
Um, you can suggest music uh, that it sounds like recovery music or an issue in recovery. So just tap on over to the website and enter the conversation there. Hey, Spencer, do we have any voicemails, emails, or comments this week? Oh, man, we sure do. <laughs> uh, first, Let's we're going to listen to Let's Be Us Again by Lone Star. And it starts right out. He says, tell me what I have to do tonight because I'd do anything to make it right. Let's be us again. Sorry for the way I lost my head. I don't know why I said the things I said. Let's be us again. So, you know, it's a love song, but it's also about somebody trying to figure out how to make up for you know the crazy things he did. Tell me what I have to do tonight Cause I'd do anything to make it right Let's be us again I'm sorry for the way I lost my head I don't know why I said the things I said Let's be us again Here I stand With everything to lose And all I know is I don't want to ever see the end Baby, please I'm reaching out for you Won't you open up your heart And let me come back in Let's be us again Look at me, I'm way past pride Isn't there some way that we can try To be us again Even if it takes a while I'll wait right here until I see that smile That says we're us again Here I stand We got an email from Marie with a topic request. Read that, uh, Maria. Okay. Um, all right. Maria, Marie says, Hello. First of all, thank you so much for your podcast. It's been such a help for me since I found it. Secondly, a topic request. Oh, goody. Um, that was me saying, oh, goody. That wasn't an email. Okay. Uh, she says, I'm quite new to Al-Anon and have been going to meetings for about a month. One thing that would be very helpful to me and other newcomers, I think, is just a very straightforward show on getting started. What to expect, what you should do immediately, challenges early on, or simply an intro to the culture of Al-Anon. Thanks for your consideration, Marie. So we got a voicemail from Megan. Hi, guys. This is Megan from Houston, Texas. Really appreciate your podcast. It helps me tremendously when I can't make it to a meeting. I'm relatively new to recovery, and um, I actually um, came in. My qualifier was a recovering alcoholic. Met him when he was about a year and a half sober. And um, my question tonight was, Mark said something about, uh, y'all were, it was the wine and roses roundtable, and Mark said something about alcoholism is progressive. 
and I kind of was curious and thinking about my codependency and wondering if, if you felt like codependency was progressive as well. Looking back on my past relationships, I can see there was some codependency behavior, but not nearly as bad until I found my drug of choice, which was a sick person, and um, found myself in more demeaning and more degrading situations and and consistently um, and not consistently not setting healthy boundaries for myself because I thought that's what I was supposed to do if I loved someone or if the other person loved me, then I should be making them happy. And um, uh, anyway, as a relationship got worse, I realized that I really did have a problem and I was sick. And so that's how I got into recovery, really not to change anyone else, but to change myself. So that's my question tonight is, did you find that your codependency was progressive? And um, if so, what were your experiences with that? Okay, guys, thank you. And uh, thanks, Megan. And uh, I have to think about that. Um, progressive. I'm sure it was. I know that, that as... Um, you know, certainly as my loved one's disease progressed, um, my attempts to control the situation and my belief that that I could and my total enmeshment in her life definitely increased. I guess the other thing, when we say alcoholism is progressive, the other thing that it, I often hear from alcoholics is that they mean that if they pick up a drink, they're going to be right back where they were. Um, when when they stopped, and it's going to progress from there. And we certainly saw that in the movie. Um, I don't know, do you guys have thoughts on uh, progressive uh, codependency? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, from my own experience, I, in my case, definitely, uh, yes, it seemed quite, um, quite progressive as I was living with active alcoholism. The more time went on, the more crazy my loved one got and the more crazy I got. And it just, we were sort of enmeshed and just both spiraling out of control and it, it just got worse and worse. Um, so yeah, in that sense, definitely. Um, but then in the sense that you mentioned, Spencer, as far as, you know, if when an alcoholic, uh, if an alcoholic were to pick up a drink again, they'd be right back where they were. I'm not sure if that sense really applies because I mean, I feel like I, I do sometimes have like recovery, like quote slips, if you will, um, where I, you know, go back and do something codependent again. Um, but I feel like it's not in those instances. I feel like it's because I've been working on it and not doing stuff like that for a while. I feel like when I do slip, it's not as severe and it's not as it doesn't last as long and I'm able to climb out of it easier. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my thoughts on that. Any thoughts, Erica? Uh, I really have no idea whether or not codependency is a progressive, um, condition. Uh, well, I, I, I relate a lot to your story. My story is very similar. I met a recovering alcoholic about a year and a half into this person's recovery, formed a relationship and, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's scientifically, if there's any scientific soundness to this whatsoever, but I know that my behavior was there because I look past to old relationships and, and can see it now. I was, I was not privy to my own crazy until I was in a relationship with an alcoholic. Mm. Um, and, uh, 
it, I don't know what it is about that combination between the codependent and the alcoholic, but I do think that for me, it definitely came to this um, uh, point of no sort of no. I don't know. I don't want to say point of no return, but it was definitely like this point in which. I could no longer continue doing what I was doing or I was going to, I was going to really, really be emotionally not okay. And, um, and so I know for me, there reached a point where I just couldn't do it any longer. And, um, I'm actually thankful for, um, my qualifier, the alcoholic who showed me this program, um, because he was getting better and I decided that I wanted to get better too, because, uh, I wasn't getting better. So. All right. Um, I don't know if that answered the question at all, yeah, but yeah. you can edit that out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I got a lot of email this week in response to the, the changes episode from last week. I am deeply grateful to all of you who wrote in support and I, there's no way we have time to to read um, everybody's everybody's email or even to play the all the voicemails. Um, so I just want you to know that that it, even though I probably haven't responded to your email because when I sit down to do it, I get a little overwhelmed. Um, I really, really, um, they touch me very deeply. I have read them all. Um, Let's start out with an email from Miss Charlie. It says, Dear Spencer, thank you. I have many thoughts as I listen to this podcast, following my heart on sharing what I think might help you gain some perspective and perhaps peace. My first thought is that there are no coincidences. Everything happens for a reason. The universe is working. Your higher power also happens to have a higher plan, and you have not yet become aware of all the details of that plan. We all get a glimpse of that greater plan in action from time to time. It is our choice to decide what to do or not do with it, and how to feel about it and be with it in the moment. Next, I suspect you already know from experience that it is in our darkest moments and our most trying and painful times that the most amazing things can happen, and if we are able to stop in the midst of our shock or grief or kicked in the gut moment and just connect for a second with our higher power and the world around us and the people in it, we will see the most amazing and beautiful things. Signs that the God of our understanding is not only with us but has been there all along and always will be. It's, it's in our most trying times that we often grow the most if we dare to try, if we have the courage to change. In one single moment, this podcast just became exponentially richer, more meaningful, and more important and relevant than ever. Your choice of doing tonight's podcast was the next right thing. It will profoundly impact people, help them in ways you couldn't possibly imagine, but somehow still know somewhere deep in your core. You can't have worked as a professor for long without realizing that. You know on some level that the impact you have on your students is never really fully known, but every now and then you get a glimpse of it in rare or unusual ways. When a student from years before sends you a note to thank you, or when you have a chance encounter with someone you hardly remember, who tells or shows you how they were remarkably changed because of a lecture or lesson. When you read about a former student in your class or from Sunday school who got a terrific job or did something important in the community. So it is with this podcast. Tonight, you had the awesome opportunity to demonstrate your own recovery in action. You demonstrated incredible vulnerability and the courage to change, and a half dozen other steps and slogans in action, before a huge audience of mostly strangers. Wow. It's okay to have trouble finding gratitude. Maybe you're not supposed to find it sometimes, because that allows others to step in and share their gratitude with you. 
I am better for this podcast, and I am deeply grateful to you for creating it and sticking with it. I think the time will come when you will be able to celebrate that, Spencer. Remember, this too shall pass, and what comes next will be even better, good and right and important and deeply meaningful. Sending heaps of blessings, waves of encouragement, and hope and prayers that your higher power will show you in countless ways in the days ahead that this is good, that a higher purpose is being carried out, that you are not alone, and that something utterly marvelous really is unfolding before your very eyes. And if you can't dare to believe it now, I suspect you are at least willing to try to believe, and that is enough. Thank you, thank you for this awe-inspiring podcast. You can see why that's hard to respond to. <laughs> I'm not even going to try right now. Thank you, Charlie. Um, and uh, Erica, could you read the one from Jen? Uh, yeah, but I think that after I read this, I have to go, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. I have to get home, and I live half hour away. So, Spencer, wow. After listening to each show method method methodically sorry i'm reading in date order for six months i finished listening to episode 46 on my way to the park for a walk this morning i got out of the car feeling all proud accomplished and excited that for the first time i was going to be able to listen to a current episode right after it was posted i never expected to hear what i did when i put episode 47 in my ear i think my jaw was somewhere around my ankles for the first time a couple hours later, I'm still stunned. It's like tuning into your favorite TV program to find out that two-thirds of the cast has been dropped down to an elevator shaft without warning. Thank you for recording and posting an episode as scheduled. It was an incredibly brave and, I'm sure, a very difficult thing to do. I'm grateful that you've decided to continue with the podcast. Whatever the future holds for the show, I will keep coming back. As long as there are new episodes to listen to, I will do my best to beam some more morally supportive vibes from VA, Virginia, to Michigan. Hope it helps. Jen. And uh, Maria, how about um, read the, the first paragraph of Jean's email? Okay. All right. Jean writes, Dear Spencer, there is no active alcoholism in my life, but your podcast inspired me to return to my regular 12-step program. Hearing your truth has helped me through my resistance and made me realize I, too, can find a way to happiness by sharing with others and working the steps. All three of you have said things which have stayed in my heart and mind and have my days better. I will miss Swetha's down-to-earthiness, her ability to articulate, and the way she can laugh at herself. I will miss Kelly's depth and insight. She always took me to a deeper level on whatever the issue of the week was. And I am glad I do not have to figure out what I would miss about you. Thanks, Jean. And, uh, you know, um, Kelly and Swetha posted a goodbye letter on the website, and there are... I know several comments there um, saying thanks uh, to them. And um, I was going to read some. I really I feel like we don't have time. I'm going to uh, skip over most of the stuff that I had put in here to read. Um, I did want to uh, mention one thing, an uh, email from Annie, who um, sent a link to a sermon that I think she heard at church like last Sunday. Um, the message is love the mud, and I I played the the short version um, this afternoon while I was waiting for something uh, to get done at work, and you know it's pretty it's it was pretty inspiring. It was about how you know there's a lot of there there is mud in our lives, and we can learn to to love the mud um, because it's our humanity. And uh, I'll put a link on the on the website. Um, 
do have a, a couple of short messages uh, to Kelly and Swetha that came in the email. Uh, Emily wrote, the two of them really meant a lot to my recovery in the time they were on the show. I related to both of them, and they did me a great service. I'm thankful for their service and hope you will pass that along. And uh, Carla from Mexico, who's been a longtime listener and correspondent, said, I sent I send a lot of love to Swetha and Kelly that have walked by us this past year. They have been very important in many of our lives, and they will continue to be, as I understand, life takes us all in different directions. They will continue to be in my prayers of gratitude. And uh, we're, uh, we're still looking forward to our first anniversary podcast at the beginning of December, and I want to thank those of you who have sent in uh, your stories, either by email or by voice. And uh, I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't, uh, to consider sending in your story. We're looking for a five to ten minute um, story. Uh, you know, what, what, maybe what brought you to the program? What have you found here? Uh, you can send an email. You can record it on your phone and email it or maybe share it through a Dropbox or something. You can call our voicemail number. You can use the voicemail button on the website. There's a lot of different ways to call. And uh, uh, we could also, uh, you know, maybe talk uh, on Skype or something if if that works for you. Um, so uh, I do want to thank again our sponsors uh, for this episode. Lisa, Carol, Deidre, Diane, and Jonathan use the donation button on the website. Um, and I'm very appreciative of that. So, um, do you want to introduce the closing song, Maria? Sure. Um, we are going to close the song with the, or close the show, sorry, with the apology song by the Decemberists. Um, and some lyrics from the song. I'm really sorry, Stephen, but your bicycle has been stolen. I was watching it for you till you came back in the fall. I guess I didn't do such a good job after all. I was really feeling, I was feeling really sorry, Stephen, and I spent all morning grieving. And everybody's saying that you'll take the news gracefully. Somehow, I don't think I'll be getting off that easily. I'm really sorry, Stephen, but your bicycle's been stolen. I was watching it for you till you came back in the fall. I guess I didn't do such a good job after all. All morning grieving And everybody's saying That you'll take the news gracefully Somehow I don't think I'll be getting off that easily I met her no harm When I left her I locked outside the Orange Street food farm Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so that we can talk about it in a future episode. 
May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. Let this be consolation, Stephen, that all the while you were in England,